Second Cast with your host, Mark Amory. Kia ora koutou listeners, welcome to Circuit Cast, views about moving image and art from Aotearoa and beyond. And this week, we're wearing biodegradable tinsel with a festive air, talking to you from a snug in a pub. Murphy's Cuba Street for a no-holds-barred, slightly liquid-critical panel. But coming up on the pod, we phone into Mel Oliver at the Physics Room Christchurch for a look at the year in Christchurch. Before that, though, first to our merry band of panellists, Abby Kurnane of City Gallery. Hello. Kia to you. Uh, hello to Martin Patrick and Massey. Hi. Uh, Michelle Menzies of Adam Art Gallery. Hello. And the indescribable Megan Dunn. Hi. <laughs> so... I found a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> so, to paraphrase John and Yoko, this is Christmas and what have you done? Panel, we're going to start over a few beers here with uh, asking you each for an exhibition or a show that really struck you, challenged you, teased you, good, bad or indifferent. I'm going to pass over to Michelle Menzies first. Michelle, putting you on the spot. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Well, thinking about the year, I've actually decided that the most striking exhibition that I saw was a small show um, of Joanna Margaret Paul's photographs at Robert Hill Gallery not so long ago, um, here in the left bank in Wellington. And I was particularly struck by these works for two reasons. I think that <clears throat> Joanna Paul is an artist whose time has not come on some level, but it's coming. She is known in Wellington, but perhaps not known enough beyond. She's an artist who worked in a whole lot of mediums. She was a, an accomplished poet, a great painter, and a really, really, I think, subtle and sensitive user of um, lens-based media. So she made gorgeous films and these quite exquisite photographs and seeing the photographs I felt that there was this fantastic and absolutely captivating intertextuality right where you'd have an image that could could have been a screen grab from one of the films but was in fact an entirely self-contained work of art as photograph with a sense of textual relationship to some of the poetry or perhaps some of the painting so I absolutely loved that show. I thought it was jewel-like in its subtlety and intensity, and I would really like to imagine that it's um, the beginning of a bit more critical attention to this artist and the range of her work and the ways in which, um, when I say her time hasn't come, I kind of mean that do we have the frameworks to account for someone who works with nuance and sensitivity across a range of platforms without making claims to being something like a polygod, right? But who's actually expressing a creative vision with a certain sort of naturalness and intuitiveness across these different platforms. So it's just lovely to see this relatively ignored strand of her practice, i.e. the still photograph. Um, And I I hope to see more of her work. It's interesting there was a show, a survey show of her work at City Gallery, which is more around painting and drawing. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing her photographs at one eye gallery in Paikapariki, 15 years ago and they were all just kind of laid out on a table you know just printed out and you know there was there was mm. whereas Robert Heald it's it's framed work it's kind of this kind of sense of it it's, it's entered the market yeah which is kind of interesting to me well it's been another good year at Heald I think and and that yeah. show is another perfect example of him doing what he does so very well mm. also just to feed into that great Peter Island review of her yes, practice on my contact that if, if listeners haven't had a look at yeah it's worth looking at the images there and absolutely her, his words as he's very familiar with the whole range of her practice I think so. And I think he did emphasise also in his review that there is a 
a sense of latency around her work. I mean, one of the things that was particularly striking to me about the photos was their scale. You know, the intimacy of their scale and the smallest of them. And I think that um, we've kind of had a quite long moment of the big blow-up yeah, photograph. Yeah, but Michelle, so the, the scale is something that's been controlled after her death, in a sense. And they mm. were always small in the way that, you know, snapshots are small. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. It, I think there, there is a... There's a tendency to overread these things in a way. That was also part of the decisions she made in terms of the, her mode of production and the spaces and places she made those works. I mean, I don't think it's completely mm. out of her, her no. control at all. No, I guess I would be more disturbed if they were almost the opposite. They were kind of. Yeah, well, I think the, the scale is significant not because um, they have any particular significance in the, the moment of contemporary art we're in right now, but because they're true to the subtlety and the lack of, um, there's a certain lack of pretension to her practice. Yeah. And I think that's fed into the fact that she hasn't received a huge amount of critical attention. But there's so no maintaining less sophistication, oh, not despite there not being pretension. There's Absolutely. still sophisticated yeah. images yeah, of someone who's a very self-aware practitioner, I think. Yeah, the, the work seems to me in very many ways to be about intimate experiences mm -hmm. and a very subjective world. Like it's a, it's a subjective self-expression that's spread across these different types of um, mediums. Well, let this be just the year of Joanna Margaret Paul. I'm going <laughs> to pass over to the sounds of dire straits to Martin Patrick. Martin, anything that's got your beard really being stroked this year? Well, um, I would say that... In art. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm going to go with that. I'm going to leave that off. But um, in terms of uh, experiences I've had this year, they've been a really, uh, a pretty good year throughout New Zealand because I haven't gotten abroad this year but the um, what I was thinking just uh, mulling over in the last few minutes uh, I was thinking maybe to talk about something that I hadn't written about but that I'm still thinking about because I've written about a lot of things over the course of the year but one show that really impacted me and Abby would know quite a lot about this show but um, and I'll probably mangle the pronunciation of it uh, G. Bridal's um, Pokazuka exhibition at the City Gallery in the Michael Hirschfeld Gallery I thought it was um, I had seen uh, the artist's work before in a couple of contexts um, and the um, at the Adam Gallery and I know he's shown versions of what he calls the retreat this series of collected and um, conjured works over the last several years and it's a, an increasingly um, unusual and idiosyncratic body of work and I think the uh, presentation in the City Gallery was um, I mean in one of the smaller galleries the Hirschfeld Gallery was just really, um, I felt as if when I went in the threshold of the gallery that I was sort of entering the headspace of this artist. I wasn't entering in it in so much a, uh, a sort of white walls gallery space, but just this kind of uh, vision that, that was composed of very uh, intricately crafted objects, which uh, sort of straddle the line between seeming like found objects and cra well-crafted objects. And then uh, a very mysterious kind of video that was like a portal into some kind of dreamlike sphere. And so that, so I, I found it was a, a, like um, uh, mentioned before, it was a kind of quiet, smaller show. But it was one of the shows that made the most impact on me. Um, sort of in, in that I still think about it. I sort of went, oh. That's an, that was an unusual experience. What to did see you that make show. of the double photograph? That really irked me. Mm. Well, because it was at the corner of the room, probably. Sort of like, it just, for me, 
yeah, I wasn't sure about the double Ooh. photograph. I loved the work that Ooh. I saw in the Duchamp exhibition at the mm -hmm. Adam the Pine, uh -huh. and I uh -huh. loved also the stick, the kind of mysterious oh, yeah. Yeah. stick, which mm. I, I felt the show yeah. could have just been the stick alone, and then it would have. Um, really blown me away but but I was interested yeah. but I, I wasn't sure about the double photograph in the corner so oh, but, you yeah. know, I, I experienced it very much like Martin as a point of entry into a fictional landscape that mm -hmm. this artist had created and mm -hmm. so each of the sort of individual elements of his mise-en-scene were there not just of themselves but as parts of a whole mm -hmm. some of which was actually greater than its parts because what that weird and kind of disparate series of elements created was an ambience Ooh. of strangeness and I yeah. it was almost yeah. as if um, some kind of event had taken place <laughs> could have been a performance it could have been yeah. something well, I, else I, I, and, yeah. mm. and I was Fascinated by this fiction. Ooh. I do think it's interesting what you say about you know entering into this mind because I suppose I have two things to say about that. One, it's interesting because I think his practice is almost completely resistant to almost to the notion of audience or to even access of any kind, letting other people in. <laughs> but it's also absolutely premised on a place in the gallery. You can't imagine that work yeah. working, for lack of a better word, in any other kind of situation. I think, and I think he totally. He, he, his thinking is in alignment with that ultimate presentation in the gallery. Mm -hmm. Regarding the specific elements in there, um, and focusing on the double, the double yeah. photograph what, what which did it mean, what did Well, it I think mean? it was part of this kind of knit of um, cues or clues, and it was in that way it was essential to the kind of riddle which is that show. Um, in kind of more detail, I'm talking about uh, things like the fact that the it featured a walnut tree, as you remember, and two walnuts and the walking stick was made of the walnut wood from that tree and um, there's a lot of um, kind of doubling and mirroring that was going on in there so I guess for Dee Bridal at, at least and for an audience that cares to kind of trace that um, the line of, of the clues or, or follow the riddle then it has a it relates to the logic of the piece um, but one thing that really uh, struck me was the fact that uh, although I really respect why you're talking about it as a riddle, uh, yes. I don't think it was a riddle that I felt I needed to solve. That I was just like really captivated in a, in in a very I thought it was playful and it and it tried to deliver something rather unexpected. Megan, have you got something for us? Yes, yes, Mark, I do have something. Something <laughs> um, short we and pithy, Megan. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I, well, obviously, like everyone here, I've I, I've really got more than one. Um, but I, I'm going to go in on a couple, and that's me editing. Um, it was great to see Dan Arp showing at Robert Heald this year. I think Dan Arps is someone who's making the surface of painting gritty and crunchy. He's bringing the grit to the surface and I love that. I'm also going to be a bit of a Walters Prize juror and say the show I really loved this year, really wanted to see, was White Paintings by Dan Arps. But I didn't see it. I saw it online. It happened at Ferrari in Auckland. And it was a series of these very... Um, <laughs> These very textured. Um, okay. Should we explain to our pod audience what your little water's price? <laughs> come, come on, they're listening to circuit. I come don't on, we'll, think we'll, this we'll, is people we'll out back. on the periphery. I, <laughs> I think they're inside and at different levels of closeness. But uh, just 
Ben is someone who I think is getting better and better with time. In fact, I think all of the Walters winners that I've seen over the past year are continuing to bring the, the freaking magic, as I like to call it. <laughs> and the white painting show is one of them. It's more than a whiter shade of pale. And he, 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 he sullies the gallery and he sullies the surface of the painting and he sullies the void. And I love that about him. And he's funny. And his titles are really funny too. I mean, maybe this isn't what he thinks about his own art. It probably isn't. But I think he's terrific. I think that looked like an absolutely fantastic show. Great okay. to see him. Well, what, what else have you got? What else right. have you got? What else have I got? <laughs> I also, this was the year I kind of got Jacqueline Fraser's project. I loved oh. her work at Beautiful Creatures, the making of the Chow Manhattan tapes. <coughs> and today, as I came into work and was, you know, kind of cruising the internet as I do, I found this amazing piece by Jerry Saltz on Vulture talking about a new Kanye um, West video called <laughs> Bound 2. But in this, in this review, which is remarkable and you should all check it out because it's so great, he talks about the new uncanny. And I think Jacqueline Fraser's project ah, is, the, is an example okay. of the new uncanny. And I'm going to give you a little quote now. Um, the new, this is Saltz talking, not me by the way, I'm not that good. The new uncanny is unselfconsciousness filtered through hyper-self-consciousness, unprocessed absurdity, grandiosity of desire and fantastic self-regard. Formerly I loved her collage installation, I loved the strange little Danish roll type wigs, I loved everything about it. It was kind of the spring breakers of the year for me, but New Zealand art. You know, there's this great moment in Harmony Corinne's spring breakers where James Franco is going, look at my shit, look at it, look at my shit. And I think that's what Jackie's saying to us, look at my shit, look at my shit. And the fact that it loops back to Warhol, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but it's the art world, I think we're liberal, I'm going to. Um, well, for fuck's sake, get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Shit, yeah. I just yeah. thought, yeah, it all came yeah. together for me. Whereas okay. when I'd seen her work at Prospect, I was like, holy heck, what the <laughs> hell's going on here? But, you okay. Know, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go go straight into my last question then, which is the Walters Prize, because I think the way the Walters has been running is too cool for school, and it's just not, it's just not, it's just it's not, not game changing. It? It's just too easy to pick the winners. So I'd be interested to to know who, what, what you know, who, who would you put forward that isn't too cool for school? What are what are the unobvious picks? What are the what are the, what are the people that you or the exhibitions that you'd like to see I forward? It, there? I think it makes you realise that you've got a lot of empathy for that national jury because it is really hard and it is easy for it to become an end game of the same artist repeating. Well, I have, I have a more basic question. What is the Walters Prize and what is its function? When, it, when the prize began, my understanding was it was very much modelled to some extent on the Turner Prize, which to my mind signifies a mid-career artist who is being framed at the yeah. moment in which a body of work is kind of recognisable. What I have noticed over the last, say, six years of the Waters Prize is that the, the kind of artists who are being nominated are getting younger. Now, that's not a problem, but it does mean that there is a fundamental shift in what the outcome of this Okay, that's all well and good, be. Michelle, but my question is who would you put in there? <laughs> I would put Julian Dashper in there. Julian Dashper, wow, okay. Martin? Mm. I'm going to defer to my other colleagues because I know we're running out of time and I'm, I, I don't have a lot of patience for prizes. Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna I'm step out. I'm gonna push on you, Abby. I don't know. I'm sorry. I have to just let some Debbie be. What I think. I. Hmm. Megan. I 
think it is too hard a question and there are many. There are plural people that deserve to be in that prize that have been. Some of them so have been in it already. Girl. Some of them who have been in it already deserve to go back in there. I'm going to do a big ups for Kushana Bush since yeah. I've come back to New Zealand. One of the artists that I think is totally consummately talented after my own heart I love illustration a weird kind of Marcel Zama thing but doing her own weird kind of spin on it and some amazing compositions her last show at um, Darren Darren Knight in Sydney getting back to more work I haven't seen in person but I've seen online um, just well, looks fantastic I'd and like I, to I'd yeah. like to contextualize the Julian thing can I do our time yes, please do. very briefly you have time <laughs> well I think that that is a practice that was cut off way before its time and needs a moment of consolidation where we can see it as a whole and to my mind that is what the Waters Prize can do it can bring an artist's work into focus for us mm. I, I, well I would put Marie Shannon in there who I think oh, is doing outstanding sure. work for the last year I would put Joe Sheehan Janet Lilo Richard Stratton Kashana Bush Gavin Hipkins with Kyle Fritz, Ben Kalki and Andrew Beck. Here's my list. Wow. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Jerry. It's covered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's several years. Okay, now let's move to moving image briefly because this is what we're all about. I'm interested in the, the changes in the development. What I've noticed with moving image is a real interest in the, the, the longer form and a sophistication that we more befit feature film making. So I saw that at the Auckland Triennial, we see it with the Gavin Hipkins work and his move from photography into feature film making. I'm interested in people's thoughts in terms of moving image. Well, I'm delighted that Yvonne Todd, my favourite New Zealand artist, is moving into moving image. And from a completely different tangent to that, almost like just an extension of a still photograph, the, the, the way she's using video, uh, I call it that for want of a better word, is very subtle and, and very non-narrative, yet hugely expansive and imaginative at the same time. And I think sometimes a lot of video art you know, the moment you're dealing with chronology and someone needing to look at something for a certain period of time, you're dealing with the tyranny of narrative. We're all very used to looking at um, at all forms of moving image and in TV and film, online, all the time. And it's a terrifically difficult medium, I think, to get right. Um, so a lot of I'll say a number of years ago, what, what was interesting is that a lot of really good image makers, painters and other visual artists were making crop films when they tried to move into the moving image. Whereas I think now moving image has become sort of uh, kind of uh, part of um, a lot of young artists um, kind of uh, schooling, a lot of their apprenticeship is, I mean, and a lot of the work they've seen. And I would just say that I, I'm coming off seeing Gavin's work at the film archive the other night, you know, I think Gavin Hipkins is a really good example of a, 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 an eminent New Zealand photographer who's making really interesting moving, moving image work. And, and I know quite a few people who I would add to that list, but we don't have time. Michelle, you seem, I can see you. I don't know if you're wincing or I can't read your body language here at the pub, but what are you, what are you thinking? Shall I interpret it for our audio audience? <laughs> yeah, please do. I think there were two kind of trends I noticed in moving image work this year. We had a few exhibitions that gave us a little bit of a historical background on moving image. We had a great Len Lai show at the City Gallery. There was a large yeah. presence of the moving image in the Auckland Triennale. Yes. Um, we had a great show of Asian moving image, which was something more like a cut cross-section of contemporary practice in Asia. I think that the moving image has two poles that it has to respond to in contemporary art. One of, it, one of those poles has to do with its absolute ubiquity in our lives. And many young artists today turn to the moving image as a found object that is utterly present in our lives, yeah, that's yeah. very relevant, and we need to see that. 
However, there is another poll which deals with the historical nature of the moving image and its very particular history. And what I would like to see a little bit more of is artists turning to the moving image with some more self-consciousness about its history in both New Zealand and at large. So that this, the moving image isn't always taken up as a found object with a kind of innocence, but rather something that trails a real, formal, content-based background that like needs to be grappled Lacey's with. Lacey's work played into that a bit more, into that historical aspect to it. The, 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 the newspaper blowy work. This is the know. work of the Adam? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, that was a lovely work. I think it played into a history of media, if you like, so it was about yes, a, yes, a failed indeed. but yeah. very um, utopian aim for what mass media could do. Mm. So anyway, I think that there are these two different things. I see a certain richness in moving image practice, but I would really like to see um, a certain kind of attentiveness to the specific histories of moving image practice that we, as well as in New Zealand, but as generally participate in as a tradition. You're listening to Circuit Cast, views, voices and debate on artists moving image and in part three of our show we phone a friend somewhere else and this month as we wrap up the year we return to our first guest of the year to see how things have transpired. It's Melanie Oliver, director of the Physics Room in Christchurch. Kia ora Melanie. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Wrapping up the year here. Very good. Hey now, Last time we spoke in the pod, you just started at the physics room pretty much, so I was wondering how the years panned out for you in Christchurch. Yes, it's been just over a year that I've been here, and it's been quite a year. Uh, it's a very interesting place to be in at the moment, Christchurch, and it's been a busy year with things happening all over the place. Just last week we had Teaser with Leading Space, yes. and we had Festa and Scape and many outdoor kind of projects happening throughout the city as well as our own kind of exhibition program running and performances. and it, It's been very busy, but it's been really fun, really interesting, and hopefully a good time for Christchurch people too. Yeah, so I guess now's this sort of period of dust settling after all of that activity. What are your impressions about how all that kind of, I mean, that map, that incredibly creative map and how it's all kind of functioning? It feels like there's been a shift since I've been here, actually. When I first arrived... There was still a lot of um, uh, buildings coming down and things were quite unsettled. People felt unsettled and it felt, the mood felt a little bit depressed. Whereas now I think after we've shifted into spring maybe and there's starting to be a few more building projects on the go and some of the more transitional projects have kind of gained a bit more momentum or opened, things like the arcades project, this beautiful sculptural project down next to the Pallet Pavilion and the Pallet Pavilion getting to stay on for another year. A lot more of those things that have been happening around the city have kind of shifted the feeling that's going on here towards one that's a bit more maybe optimistic. Looking back over that year, I mean, what surprised you the most about your experience at the Physics Room? I guess moving back into our old building, I was surprised at how that really impacted the community and people kind of really loved coming back to where it used to be and just the rebuilding of that arts community around and us operating across this, across play, um, across other organisations as well, things like Dog Park and us and um, you know, Christchurch Art Gallery just downstairs and some of the other 
projects that have been happening, um, a small project that's been happening under someone's house, you know, those kind of things that this community is is small but strong and I I knew that but it's it's nice to see it in action. I think that's probably been one of the best things about the year I guess is just being a part of this community here, trying to kind of move forward and make projects, make works that somehow make sense here. Just looking across over the year, I mean, what is, are the particular exhibitions, whether they've been at Physics Room or elsewhere, that have kind of struck you? Whether that was a good experience or, or an indifferent or a bad one? What, what is it? What, what's, what's struck you? Oh, gosh, it's always hard. What pops into the, the dog park program has been consistently strong. It's been really great to see, um, to see the different artists that they've been bringing to town have kind of just brought a real fresh energy to things so that's been really great I really enjoyed also the Split Fountain project that we had here um, with Shin Jen and Blaine Weston and Michael Parr that was a real highlight for me I guess and we produced a publication alongside that as well so that was really exciting as well as um, Blaine Weston and Michael Parr's off-site projects that we had down the road a bit What, uh, what, what, about, what about new artists? Are there sort of any great new discoveries for you? A great new discussion. Well, we've just actually recently opened a project from Alice Sutherland, ah. who is a recent graduate from Ilam, um, graphic designer and artist. And so that was really exciting to see her, you know, big solo exhibition here at the Physics Room was pretty fantastic. So that's really exciting. I think some of the challenging things were a lot of the artists working in scape. Making work in public space here is extraordinary. It's like nothing before. And I think that was a real challenge for a lot of people. So I think I think there were really good projects in that. But I think it was it was also a really strange time to be making a, a biennial of public art. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess that leads me to the question about whether, you know, there's room looking ahead in Christchurch for art that's not in some way linked to the earthquake work that, you know, how, whether there is an appetite or space for, for, for art that doesn't in some way have that context. I think definitely. I mean, I think people here, because we're so much a part of it, you know, and that it's part of daily life, don't mind so much. But I think people from outside are probably sick of hearing about our earthquakes. And we also just kind of want to get on and, you know, make work. And sometimes sometimes that'll have some kind of, you know, impact from the earthquake. And putting things in public space in particular, I mean, this public space, the urban... I look out my window and I still see piles of rubble. So you have to kind of reflect on that as a backdrop. But it doesn't mean that the work has to be about earthquakes. And I think a lot of people are just getting on and making work now. I want to ask about one particular project in terms of um, its relationship to the moving image, which is um, Heather Haywood and Tessa Peach's um, Picture House. It's really delightful. <laughs> yeah, so I've just experienced this with Teaser um, in New Brighton, but it but premiered at Festa, I know. Um, this is a two-seat cinema, and Circuit just last week with Teaser had a, a series of short artist films, and which was kind of a length that fitted with this two-seat cinema idea. Um, this this felt feels like a for me a really, really interesting kind of significant kind of project. I mean, well, anywhere it doesn't have to be in a Christchurch context, but very interesting. Yeah, it's really terrific. I mean, I guess part of the impetus behind the project was the fact that we've lost a lot of cinemas here, that some of the more art, you know, smaller art house cinemas um, were pulled down after the earthquake or it just can't be used anymore. And for a while, you couldn't really go to the movies unless you went to the mall. Yeah. Um, now we've got uh, one or two kind of 
back up and running. We have a boutique cinema downstairs at Allison Video Land. But I guess that loss of those cinemas was part of the impetus behind this. But it also has other connections to they really liked um, the idea of, I think when they were in India, they liked some of the mobile moving structures. So this is, I guess, an example of a project that somehow has a link to what happened from the earthquake. But it's also just a really great idea and a great project to think about how you might want to, we often nowadays um, go home and watch a DVD or a stream something online rather than going to the movies so much. So it's kind of a, I think they were interested in flipping that around a little bit and thinking about what if you went to a cinema that was for two. Yes. And one of the nice um, things that's happened that I'm not sure that they terribly expected was if you turn up on your own and there's another person who also wants to watch and you kind of end up just going into this small intimate cinema with yeah. a stranger is quite a nice thing where all of a sudden you're in this room. It's, it's very comfortable inside. They has, have these seats that sit straight on the floor and it's quite light so you can actually see the other person. It's not incredibly dark. So, And, and there's a whole range of different films that they've been playing. A lot of New Zealand art films or um, short films and they're very, really interesting, just kind of short snippets, but spending, you know, 10 minutes beside a stranger can be very interesting. And that completes Circuit Cast for the year. Thank you to our guests. We look forward to talking again <coughs> next year. Circuit Cast has been produced by circuit.org.nz with the assistance of Creative New Zealand with music from Orchestra of Spheres. Arreda. Hello, it's Mark here. Good, sorry we're slightly delayed. Yeah, it's just Mark guest begging to somebody. <laughs>